0: Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a Paradox.
1: Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I am Josh.
2: You're Josh, and I'm Jimmy.
1: And we are excited to have Sarah McKenzie on the show. Sarah, thank you for joining us.
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to be here.
1: You can find more about Sarah at readaloudrevival.com. She is an author, speaker, as well as podcast host. And she's specifically here today to talk to us about her latest book, The Read Aloud Family. Sarah, tell us about your book.
0: I am so excited about this book because it's been one of those things that's been kicking around in my head for a while, like all the best projects are. But, you know, it's funny. I have a podcast called The Read Aloud Revival where we talk about Connecting with our kids through books, and so when I started writing the Read Aloud Family, I thought I was writing a manifesto of sorts on (laughs) reading aloud, and that is kind of what it is. But when I what I realized as I was writing it is, it's more of a manifesto on connecting with our kids and some practical nitty gritty stuff on. How do we connect with our kids in our world today? Because as parents, we're really distracted. We have all these demands on our time and attention, and we all really long. I think our as mm-hmm. parents, our deepest heart's longing is to make these lifelong, lasting, formed relationships with our kids. And it can be really hard to do with everything else pressing in on us. And so reading aloud ends up being, I think, the simplest way to do it. But the real heart mm-hmm. of the book is about connecting with our kids.
2: I tell you, you uh, also in your bio, it says you have six children. Six children. I did. It is six.
0: It's not a typo. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, our six kids are from preschool to high school. So our oldest oh. is sixteen. She's a tenth oh, grader. Good yeah, and the last two are twins. Twin identical Wait. boys because oh, Jesus you wanted to make to us six. humble.
2: Well, you know, as our as our audience knows, we are therapists here in in Austin, Texas, but. We could give you a discount for internet counseling all the way to Spokane (laughs) because it sounds like you could pay for our vacation every year. (laughs) You also mention that part of what your book is is trying to, to communicate to parents how books can help parents win the battle of screen time. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I think most of us want to be able to help our kids learn how to use screens in a healthy way. So, you know, we all know families who either just get rid of screens completely or or what's more common is that we sort of allow screen use in our own lives as well as our kids' lives sort of take over. And I know that when I take a really... Um, objective assessment of how much time my kids and I are spending staring at our phone or my son's playing video games or my daughter's texting her friends, it, it's a little bit alarming. And we know from research, right, that our brains are actually being rewired based on how much time we spend connected to technology. So I'm not really interested in finding out how do we just get rid of technology because technology is here to stay. I'm more interested in figuring out how do we as parents help our kids use technology in a healthy way without becoming slaves to it or servants to it. And one of the things I think that's battling for our kids attention, um, well, I guess I should say one of the things that makes it harder for our kids to give their attention to books or reading or for families to cultivate any kind of reading life even though we may all want our kids to be avid readers and we know that reading is good for us and is good for our kids and enjoyable is this perpetual screen use. And um I had a I had a guest on the Read Aloud Revival podcast his name was Dr. Daniel William. He came on and was talking about how even for adults um that drive or the draw to pick up your phone is so strong that even for those of us who really want to be readers, we have a hard time choosing to pick up a book rather than picking up a phone. And he actually likened it to watermelon and candy. So he said his kids, if he was to put a big bowl of watermelon out uh, after dinner, his kids would enjoy that. They'd all say they liked it. They think it was delicious. But if he was to put out a bowl of watermelon and a bowl of candy that uh, his kids would always choose the candy. And he said it's that's like a lot like books and screens. So if we always give our kids a choice of you can read a book or you can be on your screen, even adults will very likely choose the screens more often because it's easier, it's simpler, it's, it requires less of our brain power.
2: Now, do do reading tweets, does that count?
0: It doesn't count. You <laughs> cannot? not? You have to do that. Wow.
1: Oh, great.
0: I know we're all in trouble, right?
1: So maybe just the most basic of questions, but what kind of some benefits of just reading out loud with your kids?
0: There are so many. One of, you know, one of the things that has startled me, I guess, most or surprised me most as I've dug into this research and really learned about the benefits of reading aloud is how many benefits there are for such a simple free activity. So I can't really think of another activity we could do in 10 or 15 minutes for absolutely free that would give us all these benefits but uh one is simply academic we know um that the absolute best activity that will help our kids become good readers all throughout their life is reading aloud and that um when kids start school if they have been read aloud to up to the age of 6 that that is better that is a better preparation for their academic success than putting them in private tutoring than putting them in private education, expensive schools. It's a kind of amazing just reading aloud to our kids. And really kind of, there's a lot of different reasons why this works. But one of the main benefits is that um, our kids, when they are listening to stories read aloud, they get the grammatically correct and sophisticated language patterns in through their ear. And that's really important because we don't talk in grammatically correct or sophisticated language patterns. They don't see that on TV. They certainly don't talk in those kind of patterns with their kids. Um, The only place we get them is in books. But even when we're reading books, we're skipping words, we're skimming, especially now that we've all become internet skimmers. Um, And so the only place we really get Grammatically correct and sophisticated language patterns is when books are read out loud, and we hear them through our ear. So then, the academic benefits don't just um, affect kids before they're reading on their own, but they actually continue all the way through the teens, um, all the way through, oops, um, all the way through school. It's pretty amazing. So, just the academic benefits alone, there's a there's a book uh, called The Read Loud Handbook by Jim Trelease, and in that book, he says that if there was a magic pill that parents could give their kids that would give them all the academic benefits of reading aloud uh, we would stand in these long lines and pay exorbitant amounts of money for it and yet it's free we can do it without any training without any you know it takes 10 or 15 minutes kind of amazing so the academic is one thing but one of the things that surprised me most as i began to read aloud to my kids more and i dug into this research more is that there are some studies showing that kids who read a lot of fiction stories or are read to fiction stories growing up, they become kinder, more empathetic adults. And it makes so much sense, right? Because every time we read a story, we are getting the opportunity to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And so if our kids get this practice of walking a mile in someone else's shoes over and over and over through these stories, they end up becoming adults who can see life from someone else's perspective, who can imagine things from another person's point of view, which is a really, really helpful skill to have. So those two benefits are rise to the surface. And then as a busy mother of six, I really feel that need to connect with each of my kids, uh, you know, amongst work and laundry and dishes and school and dentist appointments and everything else. And so my favorite benefit is probably just the fact that my kids' favorite childhood memories almost always revolve around books. And they don't take, it doesn't take a lot of gumption, let's say, to sit down and read with our kids. So it feels like a very easy uh, power punch to me, something that hits a lot of bases.
2: Not that I would speak for all lazy dads everywhere, hmm. because I would not ever presume to do that. But <laughs> does no, it... no,
1: Hold on, hold on, pause, pause, pause. One time, Jimbo, it was probably over Christmas, and it's 75, you know, in Austin at Christmas, so we're actually sitting out at, by the pool at their house, and he asked me, what kind of dad was I growing up? And the first word that came I to my mind... I was expecting
2: fantastic.
1: Of course you are. Right. <laughs> my, the first word that came to my mind was lazy. So, no, he actually can, oh, I can speak, speak okay.
2: to all lazy dads. Then speaking the on world. behalf of all lazy dads everywhere, does it matter who's doing the reading? <laughs> Like, do audio books count?
0: Yes. I'm so glad you asked that because, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking for lazy mothers because I don't think there is such a thing, but they're exactly. tired mothers <laughs> and I will raise my hand firmly there. Um, and audiobooks do. So here's, okay. A couple of the things we're looking for that, that reading aloud does with our kids. Number one is it gets those grammatically correct and sophisticated language patterns into the ear auditorily. Number two is that it it connects us through a shared story. We're experiencing the same story together. It's like a shared experience. Well, an audio book does that just as well as, uh, as you reading aloud the book to your child does. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard some people say, yes, but there's a nostalgic or a sentimental value to hearing your parents' voice re- reading aloud to you. But I don't know. I'm pretty sure all six of my kids would say they hear my voice plenty. Thank you very much. And mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't need to hear it more. But I know that we have enjoyed a lot of books on audio and there are so many um, options for really well-read audiobooks by skilled narrators that can be a really delightful listening experience.
1: You know, as you have developed all of this for us, my mind continually goes back just to the oral Christian tradition of old. You know, I mean, before even written language, right? We're talking about audiovisual stuff, but even before written language, having to, you know, tell of the Christian traditions and what happened to Abraham and how that was passed down was orally. I don't know if this is really a question per se, but I feel like this can impact us through these not only shared stories, but just the vocal nature of it all, and I don't know of a better way to say it, similarly to thousands of years ago, how families shared stories.
0: Yeah, I mean, when we think about it, the very oldest stories were never written down. They were always passed on orally, um, and they probably changed some because of that. And when we—I mean, I'm not a very good storyteller to my kids, um, and I think that's kind of a lost art that we— Maybe I would have been a better storyteller if that's the way that we always pass down stories. But there is something connective, isn't there, about like your grandfather telling you stories of his childhood. Um, There's something that connects you with the person telling you the story when it's mm-hmm. shared out loud it's it sort of harkens back to to those like memories of i don't have any memories of this of course but of like families listening to radio together mm-hmm. but it's like a shared experience where you're all getting to and
1: it because of the lack of visual component you know when you sit down to just a movie you can kind of turn your brain off and just kind of enjoy but without the visual and having to use your imagination it can make it so much more powerful
0: That's so true. And the best stories, I think, do that where I think you can go to the library or the bookshop and you can flip through a book and read a couple of sentences and close your eyes. And if you can picture what the author is trying to paint, Mm -hmm. the picture they're trying to paint, then you're on the right track to finding a book that's worth Mm -hmm. reading. And if you can't, then it's probably worth putting back on the shelf.
2: Yes. Even now, I will sit down with with my grandchildren and tell them stories of old, like when the, the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl (laughs) <laughs> uh, those, those ancient stories that I think is very important, really, for us to pass, pass on to other generations You tell a story about you guys reading The Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. And how, how reading that book kind of got a debate going within the family or with, with the kids As to what was more important, having a brain or having a heart
0: I think that is one of the best read-alouds. I did not know what to expect when I read aloud The Wonderful Wizard of Oz with my kids. I had only seen the movie and I was so delightfully surprised to find that the book I thought was so much more enjoyable than the movie and also less scary. So if you if you have kids oh. who...
2: Oh, those monkeys. Oh my Lord, those monkeys. No,
0: they're just terribly like <laughs> haunt our childhood nightmares, right? Um, the the Wicked Witch of the West plays a very small role in the actual book. It's very interesting. Oh. But anyway, the book itself, uh, my kids were I think they're about eight, six, and four or so. And my eight and six year old daughters and I started this. I, I remember looking up from reading it and asking at one point, what do you think is more important, having a, a heart or having a brain? Because we had just met the scarecrow and the Tin Woodman. And, um, they, one daughter says, oh, absolutely brains. My firstborn, of course. Right. We all knew this. (laughs) I mean, there's no question. And my second daughter, not so much. She was thinking, wait a second, then how do you love others? And so then we had this great conversation about how important it is to to cultivate both our intellect and our love, because Mm -hmm. one can't really override the other. And then when we kept reading and we got to the part about needing courage, then now we also need, you know, our to nurture our intellect and to love fully and well, and to be courageous and stand up against our fears. And um, that's a conversation I would not normally spring up with with my six and eight-year-old. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. It just wouldn't have come up unless yeah. I, we had gotten there through this story.
1: So you talk about these questions and having meaningful conversations surrounding these books that you're reading. What if parents are kind of fearful that they don't necessarily have all the right answers? Like they don't necessarily know whether the heart or whether the head's more important. Kind of encourage parents around that whole issue or that fear.
0: Oh, I love this question so much because this is one of the things I have found to be most freeing about reading with my kids is that I always thought I couldn't really have good deep literary conversations with my kids about books because I didn't know the right answers. But what I have discovered in all these conversations I've had with my kids and as I've talked to educators and literary experts of sorts uh, is that really the best questions that we ask our kids about books are questions we don't know the answers to, and if you think that to your own childhood experience of school and um, you're having to answer questions about a book, if there was a right answer, like what town did this happen in, or what year did this happen in, or why did this character do such and such and such, when you know that the, the teacher is looking for a right answer, it short, sort of shuts you down from thinking really deeply about the book. You're just trying to figure out what the right answer is. So in the read aloud family, I I put in ten questions that are open-ended that you don't know the right answers to, and that they can just be used as conversation starters. And I think when our kids realize that what we want to do is just dialogue with them and and find out what they think about the book and about how that might relate to their life and about the world and these big topics, that book conversation can break out of just a conversation about the book. It's now not just a book about
2: covering, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: we're not just talking about To Kill a Mockingbird in the in the theme of racism, but also like, how does, what does this look like today in our world? And what does this mean for us today? And it has the ability to meet us on a much deeper level and to have converse, that's, that's that whole connectivity again, right? Where we can connect with our kids on this really deep level.
1: I love that, especially just biblically speaking, or having conversations about reading the Bible out loud, the fear of not having all the right answers, but the very best questions are the ones that we don't have the answers to. I love that.
0: Well, exactly. And it's one of those things, too, when you think about it um, as adults with our Bible reading. Let's just take a parable, for example. The reason we keep revisiting it over and over is because we don't have all the right answers the first time we read it. It says something a little different to us, depending on what our heart needs or what we're struggling with, whatever sins we're fighting against, and all the different things that are happening in the world and our Mm -hmm. life. And so the best stories do that. They keep feeding us like a spring, like a well, you know, like spring welling up over and over again. And so uh, that's what we do as adults when we're encountering scripture. And it makes sense that when we teach our kids to encounter books in the same way where they can continually ask questions without knowing the right answers, it helps them then read the Bible in a more fulfilling way as well.
1: So tell us about, we've mentioned it a couple times now, tell us about your Read Aloud Revival podcast.
0: Yeah. So I started this on kind of a whim. What happened is I had started reading aloud to my kids a ton. Um, mostly I had, I had listened to a really compelling talk at a homeschooling conference about how reading aloud to our kids a lot helps them become better writers and speakers, communicators. And so I thought, well, I'm going to try this. So I started reading aloud a ton and realized that not only did all the things that speaker told me would happen, they got better vocabulary and their reading and their writing improved, but also we had all this Improved connection, better relationships, improved empathy, amazing conversations. So I started reading aloud even more and I got so excited that this very simple thing that I could do even as a tired mother... would make such a profound impact. So I thought I would start a podcast and we just talk for a couple episodes. I mean, I remember telling my husband I was gonna try and start this podcast and it would be a few episodes. And he thought, How are you <laughs> gonna talk for a few episodes about reading aloud? What are you gonna say? <laughs> do it, you know? It. Like, what yeah, yeah, are you gonna say? It. Well, what ended up yeah. happening is it sort of took on a life of its own. And now we're almost a hundred episodes in four years later. And wow. I think, um, I think the reason it took on a life of its own is because just like what happened in my own family life is when we as busy, overwhelmed, tired, but really caring, loving parents realize that we can make these deep uh, connections with our kids with something sure. that's so simple as reading aloud. It's like we almost get fanatical about it because it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so exciting to us that the sim- sometimes the simplest things make the most profound impact. And that's certainly true here as well. I'm having
1: a lot of parenting guilt right now from this mm-hmm, conversation. As you should. <laughs> I have oh, a no, no. Five, three and <laughs> six
2: months, uh, mm-hmm. and
1: I don't remember. My wife does, but the last time I read with them. So that's what I'm going to be doing. So all if evening. they end up
2: in gangs.
1: It's like, JJ, sit down. We are reading mm-hmm. right now. That's right. It is the readaloudrevival.com is the website. It is Sarah McKenzie. Sarah, thank you so
2: much thank for Thank you so on. very much.
0: Oh, my gosh. This was a blast. Thank you, guys.
1: I love all of our guests, obviously. You didn't lot Z Mosset. Oh, I forgot.
2: Get her back on the line.
1: (laughs) Call her back. (laughs) I love all of our guests, but I especially love podcasters. Their sound is so good. Their sound quality.
2: Well, it's not as good as us since we are under the tutelage and direction of Billy Lee Myers Jr. But close. Close second. It's close.
1: Entering the interview, and even when the publisher reached out for us to interview Sarah, I was like, oh, that's an interesting topic, but I don't necessarily feel like it's like that important. But now I feel like it's that important.
2: I mean, when you hear all the benefits, it's kind of like, oh, isn't that nice? I'm a parent. I'm supposed to read with my child. Therefore, I'll do it a couple of times a year until they turn three. and Christmas read story. The, yeah, and then going about my business. But all of the benefits, both cognitive, in learning, in relationship, yeah, I love that. There is no other activity that you can do, paid for or free, and this just happens to be free that you can do with your child to help them more academically and relationally.
1: I said it very awkwardly, and I don't even know if I still can put it into the right words. But there's just something about it, right? I think that there's a reason why God didn't invent the world with iPads. I mean, there's just something about just the oral tradition of Mm -hmm. sharing. I know you're reading it, and it's written, but sharing verbally stories, Scripture, there's something about it that is more ingraining rather than watching something and turning your brain off, as well as more connective, like Sarah mentioned.
2: And again, our our grandkids, oldest, five, and I'm thinking, is five too young to start the Harry Potter series or the Lord of the Rings series? You'd um, have to ask your oldest This daughter. shall not pass. I'm just going, I don't know if a five-year-old, maybe, I don't know. But she was great. She was wonderful. And... Drop what you're doing and go read to your children.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna leave and work early today just to go do that. Guys, if you want more information about this interview as well as Sarah, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find that info at our website as well. And as always, like, share, review, whatever other things that you can do with this. We appreciate you listening. Thank bye you. Bye.
0: Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our paradox evangelist Julie Lyles Carr, go to Julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox.:
2: I walk in the back door of my say house. Fourth grader, four years old, Fourth grade. <laughs> fourth grade. And so I walk in the back I've door— known
1: some four-year-olds to drop the F-bomb.
2: <laughs> and Mom was cleaning the kitchen, and my sister was at the table, high schooler, doing homework. And I walked in, and I said, Mom, do people F to have babies? <laughs> and, and describe
1: your mom a second. Like, she would have been taken aback, to well, say that least. Well,
2: it was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Mom. Mm-hmm. And so my sister Vicky, she fell in the floor on the linoleum and was just <laughs> screaming, crying, laughing so hard. And mom said, oh, Jim, come with me.